it's a conundrum. For centuries, stitching and embroidery has, in many countries and cultures, been seen as women's work, or rather, relegated to the realm of women. Now, that's not a hard and fast rule. In ancient Egypt, paintings depicted both men and women weaving linen, so it would be no hard stretch to believe that there would have been some men who also stitched. Medieval broderers' guilds set up to safeguard and promote the standards of embroidery while also ensuring the steady flow of income were orientated towards men, though a very small number of women were included upon the deaths of their husbands to keep the businesses and employment of staff ongoing. So where does the mystery and dilemma come into play. Because now there are words like sobros, seamsters and manbroiderers being added to the embroidery and stitching lexicon to dif differentiate and promote male embroiderers. But if we look just a little deeper, what I've discovered is that there's a very simple yet universal answer to my conundrum. And I believe it has nothing to do with gender. I've no idea where this episode is going to lead or how it'll pan out, but I want to take away the stereotypes to try to find out what's actually behind more and more men wanting to stitch. And I think that alone makes this episode absolutely fascinating. So let's find out. Hello and welcome to the Stitch Safari podcast, a sprightly and upbeat expedition into the alluringly appealing ambrosial world of stitch history, art and embroidery. Each fortnight we'll trek through and discover the utilitarian, the decorative, the quirky and the just plain fun world that is the art of the needle. My name's Cathy Jack Copeland and I'm the Stitch Safari Expedition Leader. I'm an Australian textile artist, teacher, judge, blogger and stitch enthusiast whose work in contemporary machine stitch became my business. We all know and agree the whole stereotype, that hackneyed and cliched idea that embroidery and stitching is meant only for women, is outdated and antediluvian. And really, the whole women's experience of embroidery can be seen as contradictory, instilling female subservience, yet at the same time providing a pleasurable source of creativity and community between women. Just read Rosika Parker's book, The Subversive Stitch, or Claire Hunter's book, Threads of Life, for eloquent, well-researched narratives covering the evocative and emotive issues that make up the world of embroidery and stitch. And there are many. What appears to be happening now, though, with the advent of sobros, seamsters and manbroiderers, is exactly what's been happening with embroidery and stitching throughout history. People have discovered or rediscovered 
the power of embroidery. And some of them just happen to be men. Let's look at some examples relative to what's happening now because I think this whole topic is riveting and not at all new as many would have you believe. So why do men want to embroider and stitch? What are the main reasons that can be seen replicated here and now by sobros, seamsters and man broiderers? The main reasons I can think of to embroider or stitch are to make clothing, to repair and reuse, to decorate for pleasure, satisfaction and mindfulness, economy, power, propaganda, protest, rehabilitation, identity, community, memory, income and as art. Now let's look at just a few of these and see, see where that leads us. Needles, threads, yarn, weaving and stitch were all invented by our ancient ancestors for the purpose of survival. But after that would have come the need to repair, strengthen seams and perhaps even identify groups through markings made on their clothing, perhaps using a needle and thread, maybe giving birth to the very first embroidery stitches. Modern day equivalent, George Clooney has now come out saying, I do a lot of sewing the kids' clothes and my wife's dress that tore a couple of times. So some men, even famous film stars, know how to wield a needle and thread to repair clothing. Esquire style director Charlie Teasdale believes men could learn some DIY sewing skills. He says that clothes making is one of those lost arts our ancestors would be saddened to learn the death of. It's the kind of thing we should all have a basic knowledge of, not so much in terms of making clothes, but it would be better for the world if we all had a grasp of how to fix things. Making clothes at home or mass-produced clothing, I think of as being worked mainly by women. Designing couture garments and tailoring, though, has mostly been in the male domain. A modern-day equivalent of men making clothes can be seen in the sobro, seamsters and man-broiderers movements. The scourge of modern-day slavery drove Mahidi Sari to begin making his own garments. He questions the exploitation of others to create cheap, throwaway clothing. Inspiration magazine's article, Sobros, dated July 2021, writes this about Mahidi. He observes that when you spend six to eight hours making an item of clothing, it gives you a new appreciation of the value of the clothes you wear. But satisfaction and a sense of achievement are also huge driving forces for men to stitch, such as Thabo Sabeo, who has also taken up sewing. And surprise, surprise, look no further than the recent COVID-19 pandemic, causing worldwide lockdowns and personal restrictions, leveraging many men as the tipping point for them to use thrift and a sewing machine to create amazing up-to-the-minute garments.
And when something no longer seems strange, that's when creativity and innovation walk right on in. Jonathan Simon Juntak became a social media sensation when he posted images of a jacket he made from a blanket and some floral curtains. Jonathan taught himself to sew using YouTube tutorials and a great deal of trial and error. And how refreshing is it to see these repurposing traits on display with both men and uh, women willing to trawl thrift shops for that special find. Yet repurposing has been applied for centuries. It's nothing new. Textiles were always highly prized until quite recently. But all this means that men have had to learn to use a sewing machine and a pattern. And ironically, the invention of the sewing machine was intended to liberate women. What's actually happened was to further their exploitation. Google searches and sales of sewing machines jumped dramatically during the pandemic, with men becoming more confident in posting images of their creations on social media. Everything from face masks to full outfits. A sewing emporium in Rye, East Sussex, received a month's worth of orders each day at the beginning of lockdown. Sales of their pattern, the foreman jacket, shot through the roof, becoming their best-selling pattern because men were seeing the value in making their own garments from long-lasting materials. They were looking at the quality of the garment. And because of lockdown, men had time to craft their own shirts, coats, trousers and even face masks. But it also provided the opportunity for them to interact and teach each other. And there we have community. Sewing can be an expensive hobby, but with the ethical upcycling movement, people are encouraged to make the most of what they already have. 20-year-old Ishmael Jasmine from Los Angeles started his own business selling streetwear pieces crafted from blankets. But that's not the only advantage. Ishmael openly acknowledges the benefits sewing has on his mental health, stating that when he's creating, he doesn't worry about the outside noise. It's just Ishmael and his machine. A perfect combo. So mindfulness, sustainability and satisfaction are now important factors for many people, especially men, wanting to sew and embroider. So let's now turn our attention to the world of embroidery. Throughout history, embroidery has been used for propaganda, the Bayeux Tapestry, protest the suffragette banners, power, religious garments, opus anglicanum, and the power-driven wardrobes of Henry VIII and Elizabeth I. As rehabilitation for the war-weary and wounded soldiers, and as a means for continuing culture, tradition, and community worldwide. 
So I was fascinated to listen uh, recently to a TEDx talk given by Jamie Chalmers, founder of Mr. X-Stitch, who is a man-broiderer. He explains how he began to embroider cross-stitch, how the repetition of creating the stitches slows him down into a meditative state and when combined with the creative aspect is hugely powerful. He even began his own website, Mr. X-Stitch, an exploration into the world of embroidery in the modern world, featuring hand embroidery, machine embroidery, cross-stitch, needle felting, toys, quilts, all manner of things involving a needle and thread. And this is the first time I've heard of the term stitchgasm, a piece of embroidery that makes you gasp in appreciation. He believes the static state of embroidery is a class-driven model where people are happy to pay millions for fine art, but balk at paying for the time and skill of an embroiderer. How true. Jamie also talks about the 5,000 or so embroideries he's had the chance to see like lacework featuring homosexual porn stars, glow-in-the-dark optical illusions, quilts made from heavy metal t-shirts, rock star applique pieces, all made using a needle and thread along with some imagination. He describes cross-stitch as a gateway craft enabling entry-level stitching, but it's more than that. I went on to browse the website of Fine Cell Work, an English rehabilitation charity and social enterprise that teaches prisoners and ex-prisoners to make beautiful handmade embroidered products. The benefits of this work varied, promoting self-worth, instilling discipline and fostering hope, but also learning a new skill, earning and saving money, and building self-belief. So stitching brings light into dark places. 92% of the stitches are male, engaging with over 350 prisoners across 29 uh, prisons, supported by 110 volunteers. In 2020, 4,500 products were made, including their best-selling pineapple cushions and Christmas turkey decorations. Andrew, a fine cell work stitcher, wrote this. Fine cell work has impacted my life in prison beyond measure. It has been a financial crutch. Sending my uh, family money and gifts would have been impossible without earnings from my stitching. I spend my time productively making something that means a difference for good in the world and I take pride in completing projects. And that's the power of embroidery. Embroiderers can become activists and artists. They can create unity, community and a sense of place or create and foster identity. 
But in this day and age, it's the power of making that's become more and more relevant, not the gender of the maker, whether it's for our mental health, to help save our planet and resources, to help eradicate poorly paid work practices, or simply for the pleasure of creating using a needle and thread. It's not about who sews so much as why, and I bet All responses lead back to at least one of more of those reasons I articulated at the beginning of this episode. A needle and thread is one of the most powerful tools we have at our fingertips. Sewing and embroidery is a language that has no borders, boundaries or gender. The real conundrum is, why aren't more people picking up a simple needle and thread? I loved researching this episode. Jamie Chalmers' TEDx talk was fascinating and very entertaining. The great work being done in England via fine cell work is also truly inspiring. Honestly, I don't need names such as craftism, sewists, slow stitch movement or sobros, seamsters and manbroiderers. What we're doing has been done for centuries, but if it makes people happy and creates a sense of community, then all I can say is go for it. I just want to see their work. Thank you for your time. As always, it's truly appreciated. But wait, there's always more to come in 2022, so do stay tuned and subscribe. Stitch Safari's now reached over 9,500 downloads, and that's all thanks to you. It's also been mentioned as one of the 20 best uh, embroidery podcasts of 2021 by Wolp Magazine and listed in the top five textile industry podcasts as at January 2022 by Feedspot. And I'm extremely grateful. Please leave a message and subscribe to the Stitch Safari podcast. There's just so much more to discover and it's all so fascinating. I do post interesting tidbits on Instagram and Facebook from time to time, as well as book reviews and a blog on the Stitch Safari website. So do head on over. Till the next exciting episode of Stitch Safari and our next inspiring adventure into stitch, embroidery and design. Bye for now.